Welcome to Order Up, the restaurant operations podcast brought to you by Ops Analytica. One thing about when you're managing multi-location uh, operations, whether you're in restaurants or they're medical, banking, legal, you know, chiropractic, gyms, it doesn't matter, um, is that very often when you're delivering services at the location level, um, that there isn't just one lever you can pull to increase sales, right? Uh, to make customers happier, to uh, increase profitability. Oftentimes, it's not one lever, it's 30,000 little levers that all have to be pulled. Not, none of them are going to sink you, but if enough of those levers aren't pulled correctly, your customers will have a bad experience with your business, your customer satisfaction will be down, and your sales and profits will follow. And that's what we do at Ops Analytica. We help you manage pulling all 30,000 little levers right in the right order. And, uh, and then at the same time, we're providing you with data, amazing visibility into uh, what levers aren't getting pulled, where you have issues, so you can figure out what the heck's going on and fix them. And then you move on. And then every time you correct an issue, you make your employees happier, you make it your, their jobs easier, you make your customers happier, and your sales and profits will follow. Check us out at OpsAnalytica.com. Hey there, Order Up Show podcast listeners. We are back today with another interview. I want to welcome to the show, I just mispronounced it, Tony Monto. How are you doing, Tony? I'm great. How about yourself? Thanks for having me. Oh, you're very welcome, sir. It's a pleasure to meet you today. And uh, I look forward to running you through the gauntlet here of our five questions. Um, so let's get started. I'm, I'm dying to know more about you. So explain what you do today and then take us through your career progression from your very first job in the industry to where you are now. Yeah, great. Again, thanks for having me uh, today. I'm uh, the CEO for High Hospitality. We currently have eight restaurants. Uh, Seven of them are our Uchi brand, which is Uchi, Uchi Co, or Uchi Ba. And we currently have one of our Loro, which is a smokehouse Asian uh, concept, Ooh. where uh, it's, it's in collaboration with uh, Aaron Franklin and Tyson Cole. And it's, we're getting ready to open our second Loro here in Dallas, the end of June, uh, which we're super excited about. We'll have a couple more openings this year as well. Um, and I, you know, I, I've been in this industry since I was 12 years old and it's a, it's just a funny story. You know, I did it. It wasn't a family business. It was lived in, was grow, growing up in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I used to ride my bike to the beach. We lived really close to the, to the boardwalk there in Fort Lauderdale. And one day I was riding my bike back and, you know, I saw this help wanted sign on this place called Murphy Burgers. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to see if I can get a job. So I knocked on the door, the owner took me in, said, well, I'm hiring for a dishwasher. You're kind of young and will your dad let you work? And I was like, I don't know, I've never talked to my dad about it. He goes, well, talk to your dad about it. And if he lets you work, be here tonight at five o'clock. Nice. Well, I rode my bike home. You know, there was, obviously this is a while ago, so there's no cell phones or anything. So I had to call my dad. My dad was like, you're gonna do what? I said, yeah, he told me I could have a job. And you know, back then I was probably making, you know, two bucks an hour as a, as a dishwasher. Sure. And he said, yeah, go for it. And, you know, I've been in hospitality ever since then. Uh, I can't remember a time where I didn't have a job, whether it was, you know, cooking, serve, I never really served, but bartending, barbacking, valet, up to manager, different things. 
Um, so I've been in the, you know, it's just an industry that I love from the beginning and just one that, I, you know, excites me every day. And I've been in it since I was 12 years old. So a little bit over 40 years now. Jeez, that's pretty cool. And then have you, have you jumped around from independence to big chains or, you know, or have you always just been like an independence? Like, tell me a little bit more about that career progression. Yeah. So early on, um, I did a lot just independence there in Fort Lauderdale. And then when I went to school I, I, at East Carolina, I hooked up with a company called Vista Host Management and they did mostly hotels, bars and restaurants. And I was at, with them for a few years. And the buddy that I did valets, I also did valets when I was in Fort Lauderdale. And the buddy I did valets with was opening some locations in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. <laughs> and, and he was like, hey, I, I want you to come to Harrisburg and run a couple of my restaurants for me. And I was yeah. like, where is Harrisburg, by the way? I was out in California at that point. And sure. he, he convinced me to go out there. I stayed there for a couple of years. Then I owned my own restaurant for a few years uh, in Stewart, Florida. And then after that, I, I hooked up with the Cheesecake Factory. Uh, uh, yeah. And, you know, I was with Cheesecake for right around 20 years. And then from there, I, went, where I was actually in uh, Colorado for a couple of years with Craftworks running their brewery division. Uh, oh. Oh, you know, with Rock Bottom, Corn yeah. Bear, Specialty Brands, uh, the Chop Houses and stuff. And then been here at High Hospitality for the last four years. So uh, funny, Harrisburg is a, uh, my buddy's a cop in Harrisburg. Really? I went to Valley Forge Military College out of uh, high school. And uh, and so one of my best friends from there, uh, Atta, uh, he's a police sergeant um, in Harrisburg, actually. And uh, that's just a, that's a wonderful town. Great weather, great everything. Just like Fort Lauderdale. I can't see there. <laughs> how did you go from like, I mean, California, the beach, Fort Lauderdale, the beach to Harrisburg. Oh. Yeah. You know, obviously I enjoyed the company of my buddy cause it definitely wasn't the waterfront property. <laughs> yeah. We got on a wharf on the pier with all the tourists. Um, yeah. Philly, yeah, Pennsylvania is a funny state, man, but uh, Harrisburg's like, yeah, just right there, stuck in the middle. Um, okay, so Craftworks, we probably know some of the same people. Have you ever met Tom Moxie? Yes. So, so my wife was, so my wife was the, uh, she was the hostess at the Walnut when she went to CU um, for years. She worked with Tom at uh, Diane's uh, Good and Fresh or whatever that concept was that he started that then died right when the, uh, you know, the 2000 um, recession hit. Right. And then um, she also was the original hostess at Elway's too. Oh, really? Yeah. She And so, and also like her family and the Moxies grew up together. So all those kids were at my wedding and stuff. Oh, very cool. And actually, Tom was running a chain called Charlie Brown's in New Jersey, and they were the beta client for Ops Analytica, which is my uh, you know restaurant operations software company. So uh, they literally, like in 2013, they were the first people to touch the software in its pre-Ops Analytica beta form. They were like giving us feedback and stuff. So we have a great relationship with the Moxies. Very cool. And. Uh, and that as Craftworks, did they, do you know if they, I mean, I know that like, for instance, the, uh, well, I mean, I, they, they're open again, right? Because I, the Rock Bottom and the, um, what's the other one? Old Chicago's and Highlands Ranch, where I'm from, um, they're open. 
And, but I think they're owned by franchisee. I don't know if they're owned by Yeah, the, the old Chicago might be. I can't remember. The the Rock Bottom's definitely corporate. Um, yeah. They, you know, during COVID, I think they had to do a little restructuring and, and sure. reopened under, I think it's Craftworks Holdings or something like that now. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think from what I understand, because they merged with Logan's, they have a majority of their restaurants back open again and are doing some good stuff. Good. Yeah. So my father-in-law is a big... Uh, obviously knew Moxie really well and was, and is a huge dark beer drinker and just, just complains incessantly about how, uh, Gordon Biersch brought all these light hoppy beers into the <laughs> and ruined everything. So we could, have, we could do an entire podcast on him complaining about light beer. Um, but anyway, we're not going to. So, okay. So let's talk high hospitality. So I'm looking at the website. You're um, you're the CEO of that company. You guys have eight units. They're obviously all Asian influenced, and you're growing, right? We are. We're we're going to grow. You know, this year we'll have three more openings uh, with the Loro in Dallas, the Loro in Houston, and then uh, Uchiko in Houston as well. And then looking for you know, right around four more sites as well for 2022. Oh, cool. So about one a quarter, which I mean, when you're a smaller company, you know. You think you want to open 50 you get like on that old i used to be a changer back in like the early 2000s and we were opening a store every three weeks you know what i mean but that taxes an organization immensely because an opening is all consuming if you've never opened a new location you know you got it's tons of cash but the man hours alone and having to pull all the experienced people from all the other locations to go to that location to train everyone i mean it is it's day and night, you know, so I could see that's a good, reasonable pace, you know, versus just trying to open 50 and kill yourselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're also not trying to be, you know, this big, massive chain, you know, sure. our restaurants are, you know, very, you know, the, the Uchi concepts are, you know, really high end sushi Japanese restaurants. Sure. Um, you know, and we want them to be unique to the cities we, we go to and not just this, this chain Uchi that comes in. Sure. So we really want to open pretty organically. And yeah. to your point, I mean, it's a lot of it too is also about manpower. And you know, for for myself and the team right now, it's it's kind of getting ahead on people re resources and the people pipeline opposed to the development uh, pipeline. Sure. And, you know, back in the Chang's days, back in Cheesecake days, when we were, you know, growing 15, 20 restaurants a year, you know, not only was it taxing organization, you know, you you were making really tough people decisions and putting people in positions they're probably not ready for a little too early, yeah. uh, which, you know, a year later, you're just kind of backtracking. And, you know, we want to really, you know, we all try to learn from things we've seen in the past. And, you know, one thing I've learned is, you know, let me, let me build my people up first yeah. and the sites will come. Yeah. Well, and um, once again, too, success breeds success, right? And so when you have a, could, and then that was part of the reason too. And I don't know if they do that at, at a cheesecake, but definitely at PF Chains, they always had the uh, the operating partner model, right? Where someone bought into the restaurant and promised to be there for five years and had a very big back end on that deal financially to keep them there because Chains realized early on, you know, we cannot, you know, the first, it's really the first six months to a year makes or breaks a location. And if you tank it, you're going to spend the next five years bailing water out of the canoe, trying to get back to where you should have been. But if you do it right, then you can start at a really good spot and grow from there. Right. 
And exactly. And so if you're trying to be an up, if you're trying to be a high end upscale restaurant, you can't afford to biff it, man, you know? And the only way to do that is people and process and systems. You know, those are the three things you need to like kind of get it done. Yeah. You're, you're spot on. Yeah. And, and, you know, you watch these restaurants and like, so like, you know, and, and we, I used to, you know, too, like where we live in, like we live in the suburbs of Denver, right? South suburbs. You know, we get a new restaurant in town and everybody flocks to it in the first week. And like, you know, I've opened enough restaurants and worked in enough restaurants. I'm like, we're not going there for two months because I want to enjoy it when I get there and they're going to biff it if we don't eat <laughs> the first week. So let's just chill out go somewhere else and then we'll go enjoy it when it's good. Um, okay, cool. So uh, that's where you are today. Let's go to question number two. What's the big project or initiative that you're working on right now? Yeah, you know, I, there's probably two. Um, you know, the first that I think everybody in the industry is really working on right now is just staffing. Um, you know, really, and when I say staffing is hourly staffing, yeah. we're getting unbelievably a, a lot of great candidate flow for managers is, you know, hourly staffing is, you know, I'm sure you're hearing across the industry is just really, really hard right now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, balancing that with all the reopening guidelines so that, you know, the, the second initiative really that the teams are really working on in the restaurants are, you know, how do we get closer to pre COVID capacity yeah. um, and be able to execute it? Cause you know, we put in a couple things, you know, just like everybody else, we put in to go, we started using patios that we never used before. Sure. So, you know, we're trying to balance out. So when we do see just like we did inside pre COVID, how do we manage to go? How do we manage the patio is really going to be as much demand on to go. So, you know, there's a lot that goes into both of those, but you know, without the staff, it, it'll make it tough. Man, I was just, I did another interview today and this guy's in Lake of the Ozarks. It's a big resort there. And he said that they had a 30 companies came to their convention center, hiring convention, all people jobs today. We need to fill, you know, getting ready because their big season starts in May end of May. And, and uh, he said 30 companies there, 10 candidates showed up. Oh yeah. Terrifying. Um, and, and that's it too, right? Like, and, and, and this is, you know, I have this whole blog I wrote one time, uh, and this is pre-COVID, by the way, because pre-COVID, I was just like very frustrated that everybody was like so focused on adding delivery and and adding, you know, these apps and all these things. And I was like, that's great, but your daily operations stink. So when you add more sales channels, right, um, then you can market yourself off of a cliff. And we saw this a lot when I was at Quiznos. So when I was at Quiznos, I was there right after the peak. So I was uh, like the uh, RSC ops leader, kind of like ops services. You know, I ran a bunch of the programs and tried to operationalize things for the field. But, you know, we would be doing these big, uh, you know, LTOs or you know, events, right? Mm -hmm. Prime rib, whatever it is. And then the big push would always be, we're about to do all this national advertising and coupon drops, and we're going to drive a ton of people into the restaurants. So then we'd have to go out and audit everybody, like the whole chain. Five, it was around 4,800 restaurants at the time to make sure that they were ready for the rush. Because if we didn't do that, and to make sure they had their prime rib, to make sure they had their bread, knew how to make the sandwiches, then we would drive people into the restaurants and they would have a horrible experience. The other thing too, right, is on those big LTOs, especially in the sub world, especially at Quiznos at that time, a lot of people wouldn't honor them, right? 
they would just put like a handwritten sign on the door. We're not doing this. <laughs> and then, you know, which just pisses off the customers even more, damages the brand. And so we were basically trying to figure out how to uh, make sure that we didn't market ourselves off a cliff and drive a ton of people into the restaurants to have a bad experience to then not come back, right? And it's the same thing. We're, and we just, I literally had this conversation three hours ago with this other guy. You're now at a position where our industry took a beating during COVID. We're now coming out of COVID. We're ready and primed to go. And, and to add insult to injury, nobody's coming to, we can't get anyone to work. So we're going to have to limit our sales capacity so we don't piss off our customers. And we, you know, we can't win. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, you know, it's a challenge that I didn't expect to have coming out of COVID. Yeah. Um, you know, I really thought, you it's, know, once vaccines were more available, once we got kind of through this, so this is early on on COVID, you were thinking this, you didn't know how long it was going to last, but you're like, all right, you know, at least when we come out of this, there's going to be a lot of people, you know, unfortunately, some restaurants have closed. There's going to be a lot of people looking for jobs. Like, yeah. You're, you're actually going to actually get a really good handle on staffing. And it's been quite the opposite where, you know, staffing is, is a struggle. You know, we're, we're fortunate. We're really, we're, we're well staffed for what we're doing currently, Sure. Uh, but we're behind the curve to get to where we want to be as full staffing as, as pre COVID. Yeah. And, and, and here's the other thing too, right. And like, this is something that like I, I predict is going to happen in the future is, you're only going to get waiter experiences and server experiences. At, I think eventually it's just going to be very high end places. I don't know that, you know, with the popularity of QSR, the popularity of, um, you know, delivery and all this outsourced food. Like, I just don't know that that like, that we're going to have staffing like at the family level restaurant, like you're a high end restaurant, you're wait, I mean, you're doing high end sushi, high-end Japanese food, your check averages are high. So your servers are making real cash. And so you can, they're making real money, right? Mm -hmm. so because of that, you will be able to keep servers and bartenders there because they'll make one to 300, maybe more shift. And so that's good cash and people will come out to make that money, you know? Um, but, you know, I, I, I fear, I feel for those other, that other level of restaurant, that tier below you, right? where they're not making a hundred or $200 a shift. And I think in that respect, we're going to lose servers in those realms. It's going to be a tablet or a phone and then someone's going to run you your food and, you know, I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, it's going to be interesting because I think there's, I think there's a balance of what the guest wants too. Um, you know, our, our Loro concept is a, it's a high end fast casual concept. So it's one where you basically you order at the bar, you get your drinks, you go sit down, we give you a pager and then we run the food out to you. Sure. Um, which has been even pre COVID was highly popular because it's really, really high. I mean, it's high quality food. Sure. Uh, you know, with, you know, with some barbecue with Aaron Franklin's name on it as well uh, that he, you know, he pretty much taught us how to do it and part of the concept. Uh, yeah. so it's really, obviously, really great barbecue. And then you got Tyson's flavors from Japan and Asia all kind of lumped in there. It's really cool. Um, so the guests really love that high-end experience, but they love being able to use it the way they want to use it. So if they want to be there for, you know, 20, 30 minutes, they can do it. If they want to be there for an hour and a half, they can do it. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I think there's still always going to be some kind of demand where the guests 
typically are going out for some kind of engagement. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I think, I think everybody at some point is going to try these order with the apps and do this. And, you know, we'll find out where, where the kind of the demand the guests feel is right and wrong. And some concepts it'll be great for them. And some, it'll, to your point, it'll be a, a little bit more of a struggle. Yeah. And I mean, you're right. Everyone's going to have to figure it out for yourself. And it's really about based on the culture you've created within your brand. Right. So like, you know, if you honestly, in some cases, if I'm an Applebee's or I'm an IHOP, I welcome order by app because then I got one less headache. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Because, I, you know, um, and also I have heard, uh, I'm trying to think of who it was. Uh, it's just one of our clients. Um, they were saying that their app orders are higher than uh, when people just order directly with the customer um, because, you know, some people want to eat more, but then they feel like they maybe be like, they don't want to get like judged by the way or like, holy hell, that guy ordered six of those. What the heck? Right. Yeah. So anyway, but like, yeah, I think it is. You're right. Because for the high end dining experience and for the high and it doesn't have to necessarily be high end, which some of your concepts are but maybe it's a high concept food item, or it's just the culture you've created in that restaurant, right? So you come up to the bar, which by the way, that's a very popular, like in England. Like we went into some bars in England, you know, where there were three people working behind the bar and a couple cooks and a food runner. And I mean, it was a 200 seat place and everyone was cool with it. Walked up to the bar, ordered your drinks, got your food, it got delivered. If you, And then, you know, maybe the food delivery guy might go, hey, you guys good on drinks? But it wasn't a waiter experience, you know what right. I mean? And I mean, I mean, these were downtown high-end restaurants in London and that people were okay with it. So there, there is so many ways to skin this cat, right? And um, so, yeah, I think people are just gonna figure it out for themselves. Yeah, we're, I mean, you know, I'm, I, with our concepts, I'm, I'm still fully convinced guests still want, even in our Moro, which is the, the fast casual one, you know, we, we still try to create an experience for the guests, the experience from the time they walk in the door, from the time they order the bar, the time the essay delivers the food, that there's some kind of engagement and interaction. So it doesn't just feel like you're in this, you know, turn and burn type atmosphere. Because yeah. um, I, you know, again, for our concepts and for Uchi's in particular, I mean, that Uchi's based on experience. It's you know, obviously we have unbelievable food. We got great menu innovation. We have great service, but the and great design of our buildings. But at the end of the day, we want guests leaving going, I'm really not sure what happened, but man, <laughs> this was really awesome. That, that's awesome. Uh, I get down to Dallas a lot. I'm going to have to come down and try on these Uchis. Um, but you know, we, we have one in Denver. Really? We have an Uchi in Rhino on 25th and Lawrence. Okay. I'll go there because um, that's how often I get to Denver. As you know, when you got two young kids and you move out of the city, the suburbs, you never go to the city. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but I know exactly where that is. Um, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, no, I'm in that phase of life where it's soccer practice and swim practice. And yeah, I remember those days. I'm a little bit out of those days, but uh, I remember those days all too well. Absolutely. Okay, cool, man. Let's do question number three. What is the one thing in the industry or your business that is keeping you up at night? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, a lot of it's what we're talking about is being yeah. staffed to, to execute. And, you know, you're you're still kind of dealing with the unknown with, you know, COVID a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, so the two things that, you know, truly keep me up at night are really, you know, the staffing part of it. And then what's around the corner. 
Um, you know, we're obviously we're on a great trend right now. You know, every bunch of people are getting vaccinated. People are feeling good, all that stuff. But, you know, you're you're definitely a little jaded from what happened of March of last year. Yeah. Um, so, you you know, it's, you know, things that used to never be in the back of your mind are now in the back of your mind. Like what could really happen? Because, yeah. you know, obviously back, you know, February of, of 2020, you weren't you weren't thinking about like, hell, what happens if I totally shut down? You weren't thinking that even like you would have never even imagined you would be totally shut down. Well, and it's like I had a trip uh, March 13th to France, right? And I remember we were doing this and I remember going, so like we were going to go, it was like the 10th or the 9th of that weekend before. And me and my wife, yeah, we're going, this is dumb. What is going on here? Like this is, we don't get this, you know? And then literally like my mother-in-law was like, you, and my mom both were hammering us. You guys can't go. We don't know what's going on. Don't go. We're like, we're going, we already paid for all this stuff. Right. And then literally that week France shut down. And that, that really was, like, we, we decided to bail on the ninth or whatever that day was. And then France shut down. But then even at that time I was like, okay, I'll rebook it for fall break. Cause it was a spring. Break. So I said, I'm going to book it for October. We're going to definitely be there in October. Right. And then, you know, it's like, I, 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 this whole last year has been just, you know, it's unprecedented for us. I mean, I know they get, they dealt with it back in like the twenties or, you know, whatever with the, that other major flu that killed so many people, but you know, just, this is the first time that's ever happened to us in the U S where we actually really shut down. Like I, I was dumbfounded that we shut down. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, obviously for the industry and for not just our industry, for, you know, a majority of the industries, it was a definitely a gut check at first. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, so I, I hear you. You're lucky, though. You're down in Texas, and those guys have kind of just said, no, we're done, you know. And yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we've been fortunate. I can tell you, like, you know, for our group, we still continue to maintain really the CDC guidance opposed to, you know, the free-for-all. Uh sure. You know, and I, I respect everything, but we're we're still doing, you know, six foot distancing. You know, our guests and our staff are still wearing masks. We're doing all those pieces. Oh, cool. Yeah, down at uh, apparently like down um, in Florida. I was in Florida last year and, you know, I think they're pretty much mask free. And I think we're about to go. I don't know what we're doing. We're at 100 percent occupancy again in Colorado, but I don't know what the mask. You are, but you still have to maintain six foot distancing. And like, you know, one thing we did do in Texas that they allowed and we did is you could put partitions on your booths and do back to back booths. Sure. Um, in Colorado, you can't even do back to back booths yet unless even with the partition, unless they're six feet apart. Uh -huh. um, so I know the the restaurant association there is really trying to petition like if, if there's partitions up, let's go ahead and let them use back to back booths. So. Hopefully that's one of the next steps we can do there. Cause you know, right now you're, you know, most restaurants are probably anywhere between 25 and 35% in Colorado. Yeah. And also too, with Colorado, it's such a ridiculous place because we are, we have the best weather, right? So like legitimately we have such great weather and I'm, I don't know about your uh, Lawrence store, but do you have the big garage door windows and the good patio seating and you get some fresh air in there? Yeah, we don't have the garage to open in the dining room, but we, you know, we have a little bit of a patio. And then, you know, the one thing I will say that, you know, Denver did very quickly is allow you to use sidewalks that you could have used before, as long as you had a, you know, right away. 
Um, so we definitely capitalized on some outdoor dining that we never had there before. Oh, that's great. Cool. Okay. Um, okay. We are on question number four. We're breezing through this, man. Um, what would, what would, oh, this afternoon. what is the one thing that you thought your industry would be doing right now that it isn't? Yeah. You know, I, it's a great question. Cause I really, you know, even pre COVID, I, I really, how we promote people in the restaurant business, you know, it's, I, I think, you know, for some, they don't feel like it's, a, it can be a really great career. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's restaurants just give such great opportunity for whatever you want to do in the future. You know, you learn, you learn about training, you learn about leadership, you learn about guest relations, you learn about so much that, you know, whether you take it on in a restaurant career, whether you go from server to manager or, you know, cook to chef and so on. If you're going to go in another industry, you learn so much about people and leadership. And, you know, I, I, our industry hasn't done enough to really say, you know, like, no matter what you want to do in life, this is a great stepping stone. Yeah. It gives you such, you know, again, so, so much work with people that most people need that no matter what industry, what job they're going to. So, you know, I would just, you know, I've always thought that our industry could do more to promote like it is it is a great industry and you know we get sometime the the ding that it's always just hard work and it's not always fun and you're just a server blah 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 and that's really not the case you're so much more than that and you know i, I wish our industry was doing more yeah it's interesting because i agree with you and what's interesting is um doing this podcast has and I, I think I mentioned this on several episodes, but it has made me fall back in love with the restaurant industry. Not that I fell out of love with it. I mean, I've always been a restaurant guy, you know, um, but my last real restaurant job, like where I was actually like, touching food would have probably been in 2005. And then I worked at corporate in 2007. And since then I've been in the tech business, but like, uh, like um, it really has like, Re, it, you know, I got into the restaurant industry, you know, at 14, right? Like, and I'm Puerto Rican and Greek and, and both my grandfathers own restaurants. And like, I literally have a picture of my grandfather's menu on the wall of my office. And I look at it every day, you know, and it's like, and I love cooking and I loved, you know, I love serving and, and, you know, I loved it all like bartending. It was all fun and then managing because it is. And the thing is, it's one of those careers where you don't have to degree up and have seven, you know, you don't have to be a PhD to make money in this business. Mm -hmm. you run a, if you're a good people manager and you can keep people motivated and, and execute, you can make a fortune in this business. You know what oh, I mean? You can, I mean, you can, you know, as a, as a really great GM CDC, you know, you can start getting six figure jobs. Yeah. And, and you, you know, and it's always new. It's always different. It's like being a cop, right? Like you're not working at a desk most of the time, especially if you're in the, the restaurants, you know, and yeah, you have to work some nights and weekends and mm -hmm. you know, whatever. But like, you know, I work nights and weekends and I own a tech company. So you know, guess what? <laughs> we all do. Yeah, so, I would agree. I do think, and, I, uh, and I've been very critical of the National Restaurant Association today, but, uh, and, but, 
uh, on the other podcast, not on this one. But I do think that the NRA, that they need to step up their game uh, in publicizing some of these things, right? Because that's really the organization you would expect to do it. It's our trade industry organization, you know, like, because, you know, we're also getting a lot of flack, the industry is, for fighting the $15 minimum wage because we're so heartless, right? But, like, uh, but that's really not the case. In most cases, if you're at a good restaurant, like, like I would, like, I, as a matter of fact, I waited tables in California and I hated it. I hated it because they had a higher, they paid more money per hour. So everyone would be like, why would you hate that? But as a waiter, I can make more money um, if I just take really good care of my tables than the six bucks you're paying me an hour, which is, that's how Obama girl was. <laughs> 2000 and like two, I was a PF Chang's at Santa Monica. Um, but then also they forced me to take breaks and then all I did was get weeded and it was horrible. It was literally horrible. And, and it's like, I would rather make two thirteen an hour and then go sell really expensive food and wine and make 200 bucks in cash. You know what I mean? Like, you know, the, and I might be getting on a tangent here, but the restaurant industry needs to like sell the fact that the, the hospitality industry can be an amazing lifelong career. And also, it's one of the few businesses, too, where if you're really talented, you'll bolt to the top in, like immediately. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have – like, I have a friend. She's a VP in a bank. And she's like, yeah, like seven years, this person's going to retire and I get their job. <laughs> right? If you're amazing at your job in the restaurant business, in the restaurant business and you're really good, you will move at lightning speeds. You know what I mean? No, you're, you're right. I mean, you can, you know, you can, you can within a couple of years be in a position that you never thought you would ever achieve. Yeah. If you're doing the right things and taking great care of people and, you know, and then the, and the guest. And, and there's a lot of opportunity to go from the store to the above store level to corporate and learn that entire side of the business. So you're constantly growing as you get older. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I know. I, you know, I, I think it's an opportunity and I talk to my team about this all the time is that, you know, you get to coach, teach, develop every single day, no matter what position you're in and you get to learn every day because every day is different in our industry and, you know, everything around the corner is different. So you're always learning, which is exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we're on the same page here. I do agree. I, I like to see the restaurant industry do a little bit more, uh, public like commercials about the impact of the restaurant industry to your community and you know and also the public you know they should be doing promoting and maybe it's through schools you know maybe it's a high school program or something hey have you considered the hospitality industry and let's also be honest too we're not the same industry we were in the 70s right we don't expect a manager to like put a cot in like the break room and like sleep there 24 hours a day you know most well-run successful restaurants have an ample management team so people can work 40 hours a week and 40 to 50 hours a week and the, if they're working nights then they're going to be on days because we're trying to retain people right so we're doing a lot of the things like we've learned over years that people don't want to work open to close 15 hours a day seven yeah. days, a week. days a week and all the stuff we all did when we were we were younger Exactly. So, you know, they just need to publicize that because we do need great people. And like you said, too, you know, I know some. OK, the, so you go to the National Restaurant Show, you know, Shaw's Crab House in Chicago. Yeah, and we 
for the last couple of years, obviously not this year or last year, but previously we would go for the day and then we would go to Shaw, sit at the bar and we ordered that five pound King crab <laughs> and the bartender, that's a lettuce entertain you restaurant in downtown Chicago. And that bartender had been there for 27 years. And you know why she was? Because she got health insurance and she made a fortune. Yeah. Like, he got crabs like a couple hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, I mean, th there are great jobs in here. And it's something that you can do yourself, too. So if you want to be an entrepreneur, either franchise or start your own. I mean, that's right there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're saying the same thing to your point. I mean, there's lots of great careers out there through the restaurant industry. And, you know, I, I do agree the restaurant industry could do more about promoting it. Yeah. Uh, which would be exciting. And again, it's, you know, our industry needs great people. Yeah. Especially right now. Like this would be the time for the national restaurant association to get out there and go, Hey, go get yourself a job. The restaurant industry's hiring. We got great jobs for you. You know? Yeah. No, I, you know, I will say, you know, like I, one thing I was proud about the restaurant industry during the, the shutdowns and stuff like that, they, you know, they really went to bat hard to, yeah. to try to take care of, you know, not just chains, but independence that, Absolutely. You know, I, I think saved a lot of people I know in the industry. Absolutely. And I think they did. A, I don't know who organized like, like, what was it? Like Tuesdays, whatever. Takeout Tuesdays. Was that yep. because that was a national thing that worked really well. So whoever did that, they did. I don't know who did that. I yeah, I, I can't remember if it was the Restaurant Association or it was the Restaurant Co Coalition. There was a couple different things going on during, you know, early on of, of the shutdown. For sure. So I do have one question before we get to question five, because I'm really curious. Do you, because I know that Cheesecake is such a systems driven company, right? And they're, they were known. I mean, you know, for those of you who don't really know the economics of it, why don't you go into the economics of a Cheesecake Factory really quickly? Because I don't think a lot of people know, you know, the volumes that those things are doing. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, you know, if, from their, what they respond to, it's a, you know, they do 11 million plus and you're doing, you know, I'll, you can imagine at a, call it a $20 per person check average, what that means, the amount of guests you're doing a year, you know, and it, I will say like the one thing that probably would surprise people about cheesecake is that their foods from scratch, like their, their chefs and their cooks are super talented in what they do. Sure. Uh, it's really amazing. And you know, the amount of food that comes out of, uh, one of those restaurants is mind boggling. Yeah. I I remember because I was thinking about jumping from Chang's and I was thinking of cheesecake and then I heard how long the waiters had to study the menu for. <laughs> and I was like, nah, I can't go a month without tips, man. I'm good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that, you know, we've all adjusted to the, <laughs> the timing it takes to somebody become a server now. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But, but did you take with, I guess, was that like a, a master's degree in restaurant systems? I'm just curious. If yeah, I would say that, you know, I, I got my entrepreneurial spirit prior to cheesecake. Sure. And then cheesecake absolutely built, uh, where I am today. Sure. Uh, it gave me the foundation to, to be able to run a company. Um, you know, I, I was very fortunate, you know, starting with them, uh, I think we had 13 restaurants when I started oh, wow. with them and I started as a manager. So I worked all the way up to RVP. So, you know, I got to work with some really great talented people and got to spend a lot of time with David Overton, you know, the founder and CEO, which uh, was remarkable. And, you know, to see his D 
detail and everything that happens in a restaurant from design to food quality to people and, you know, to step back and really take care of people, you know, you just and then you take in all the systems processes to be able to do $11 million out of a building. Um, yeah, it, it's definitely the university that I learned from. Yeah. And, and I would suggest for any of you guys that are out there and you're in the industry doing whatever, GM, you know, and you might be an independent or whatever. If you have an opportunity to go to one of those big high end chains, and it could be any of them, like Roos Chris or, you know, uh, Cheesecake Capital Grill, PF Chains, you know, you know, the ones that are like sort of the staple chains that are always busy. You working for one of those, you will get, or let us entertain you would be another one that'd be great at that. And there's other brands out there, you know, uh, you guys as well, where you can go out and learn really systems driven restaurant management because it's the guys that understand the systems and can implement them and then repeat them across multiple locations. That's a different level of play. That's the majors versus being in the minors. And when you, when you, learn that those skills transfer with you forever and that you will apply them to everything you do in the future. Um, oh, you're, you're spot on. I mean, it's, you know, you remember all those and you know, it, it's embedded into what you do after you leave. Yeah. And I mean, cause like my master's degree in uh, uh, entrepreneurship and business was when I ran the franchise assistance program at Quiznos back in the 2008 when the downturn happened and I had just gotten an MBA and that was my second MBA because I learned more in that 10 month period when we had that program going and I was running it. Then, you know, I did, I learned more about business and human behavior and nature. And, you know, it was insanity how much I like was, it was like a sieve, you know? Just, yeah, I bet. <laughs> so anyhow, yeah. And I just was curious about that because I, I always chains and chains and cheesecake were like parallel growth during the same kind of period, early 2000s, you know? They were, no, they were, everybody thought we were the same owners at some point because we op sometimes open side by side. Oh yeah, and uh, so here's a funny, stupid story. So I bought this crazy house and uh, the people who owned it before me were like, uh, um, this is where they raised their kids, but they were they were very wealthy, and, but the, it's like a normal Highlands Ranch house, but they redid it and they used the people who made the cheesecake lights Every light in this house was commissioned by the people who make the Cheesecake Factory lights. And I have lights in my house that you will see in Cheesecake Factory. Oh, wow. That's pretty crazy. It's ridiculous. It's so dumb. It's, I guess they like cheesecake. Oh, man, I don't know. It was early 2000s, so it was probably like the hottest, coolest place, you know? Yeah, but, no, for sure. Like those leaf lights that sit on yep. the walls, I have those. Kind of <laughs> so stupid. That's crazy. Yeah, it's not. I'll take some pictures and send them to you. So. <laughs> um, anyway, cool. So let's go to uh, number five, the war story question. I want a great war story, something that's cringeworthy, something that's funny, something you can't believe you got through. You know, it could be yeah, funny. Yeah. And you don't have to name names of the company if you don't want to. No, it's, uh, you know, it's, you know, with 40 years experience in this, I had a heck of a lot of them to think about. And, you know, the I would go with the most current one, which was, you know, here it was with high and it was here, you know, we shut down March 17th and we started to go at Uchi on March 20th. Um, you know, this is, you know, high end Japanese sushi restaurant that we had never, ever done to go before. 
um, our team had never really done to go before. You know, we had started in the leadership team, we had started talking probably mid-February, like we probably need to figure out some kind of to-go thing uh, to kind of figure out, you know, we, we could see the writing on the wall. Something was going to happen. Uh, we didn't know when, but something was going to happen. So the team really worked hard, figured out what food could travel, how do we package it, did all this. We had all the packaging in. We were ready to go. So we, uh, here in Texas, we shut down on March 17th for to-go only. Uh, and then on that Friday, I think it was March 20th, we opened up Uchi for uh, to go and curbside, which was awesome because the demand was amazing. The one thing we all forgot about is throttling of to goes. Oh. And it was, you know, we opened up the phones at four o'clock and by like 530, we already had 300 covers. Um wow. And we weren't telling anybody that it was going to be you. We were hitting that. We were saying it was going to be 30 to 45 minutes, um, which we ended up having to call many, many people back. And uh, by the way, we'll have your food in about two hours. Um, <laughs> you know, it was myself. We had the chief branding officer, Amber, working there. We had Tyson Cole was there. We were all running stuff out the cars, giving signed cookbooks, doing all kinds of stuff because, you know, we obviously really tubed it. Uh, but it was, uh, you know, our guests are amazing and it was, you know, they were thankful we were open and all that stuff because it was the first day and all that. But, sure. uh, you know, it was brutal for us because we've never, op we've never executed like that. Like yeah. our restaurants pride themselves on the experience, executing at the highest level, taking great care of the guest. And, you know, we did everything we could to take care of the guests, but man, it was, we had, we had a couple hours there that we, we tell the war story here all the time now that we're really ugly. Now, what I will say is our teams are so amazing that we were all in Uchi here in Austin at two o'clock in the morning after we got through the night, figuring yeah. out how we were going to do it for the next day. And we came up with the system, worked with open table, how we slotted it, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so really like in a, a eight hour night we figured out how to do it and then from then on uh, you know we still have our hiccups but uh we become pretty good at curbside and to go but that that first night was not pretty but it's one that you know as, as you know in this industry when something like that happens the bond and the stories and you know the camaraderie that you 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 get from that the team was never tighter after yeah. that night and that's why we call them a war story right Exactly. <laughs> you, you went to battle. You got your butt handed to you. You retreated a little bit at that night. You had a beer. You sat in the bathroom and went, holy hell, we can't do that again. No. <laughs> and then everyone start thinking because we are not doing that tomorrow night. I cannot go through that, you know? So, yeah. that And, 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 that's, and but that's also another point to what makes our industry unique. Because there's a lot of people in AP, they don't have any AP war stories. You know what I mean? They right. go to work, they come home, nine to five, Monday through Friday, 40 years later, they retire. You know, and and with the restaurant industry, it's a people industry. And you are talking and laughing and having fun and rolling your eyes. And, and when you do get slammed, it is all hands on deck. You know what I mean? It's nuts. And no, it is. It's it's crazy. You know, we started that night with 
two sushi chefs because we thought, you know, we well, we could handle it with two. Uh, by the end of the night, we had five come in. Uh, we were fortunate that we could just make some phone calls and more and more came in to help try to get us somewhat out of the weeds. Sure. Uh, but man, do you learn a lot. And again, to your point, it's, you know, it's, it's not fun in the moment. Yeah. It's, you know, it's really hell at the moment. But uh, once you get out of it, it's like, all right, I made it through. Let's fix it. Let's problem solve and let's make it better. Yeah. Uh, and also you kept your people employed, right? When a yeah. lot of people just were like, hey, we're shutting down. See ya. Thanks. And, you know, they're like, how am I going to make rent? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, it, you know, March, as you, as you know, was scary because you just didn't know. You didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and you were doing everything you can just to survive because you didn't know how long you were just going to survive and what you didn't even know what survival really looked like. Like was survival trying to change the burn from X to X or is it to break even? Cause you knew you weren't going to make any money. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, as a, as a person who sells software to the restaurant industry, I remember just sitting there going, well, let's just try to figure out some things to help these guys and see if we can help them. You know what I mean? Because like you're just looking as a, as a, you know, my entire book of business is the restaurant industry something. And Holy hell, you know, I'm in the same boat that you guys are. My health is tied to your health. Right. So, exactly. It was like it was a very terrifying couple of weeks there, but uh, knock on wood, we were very blessed um, that really uh, we didn't lose any a lot of clients. So we were very awesome, very happy. Anyway, cool, man. Well, Tony, uh, is there anything you want to plug? Um, real quick. No, I'm good. I, I mean, again, I appreciate you spending some time talking to me. This was a lot of fun. Oh, wonderful! I'm glad you came on the show. I will put high hospitality. Um, on the show notes and if you're by the way if you're listening to this and you're in you know in the areas where those guys are, are check them out as a customer or if you're looking for a job they're hiring as they grow so let's support their growth uh at a time when not everyone's grown so uh, congratulations on that and uh tony thank you so much for coming on the show today no my pleasure thank you all right very welcome